Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. A couple of weeks ago, my friend Tiffany sent me a message. She said, hey, I think my brother and sister-in-law are pretty extraordinary parents. From my perspective, their parenting has been pretty incredible, as is their faith. So I wanted to put them on your radar if you're needing a few more parents to talk with. Because I explicitly trust Tiffany, I asked no further questions and I said, yes, please introduce us and tell me a little bit about them. Just so, you know, I have an idea on where to guide this conversation. And here's what she said. My sister-in-law had a successful career in sales, then came home to be with the kids while they were growing up. My brother had a crazy schedule, lots of travel, gone a lot of weekends because he works for ESPN. But when he was home, he was all in. And they just ended up making a very good parenting team that, from my perspective, centered around their fate and their family. My niece and nephew are amazing young adults as well, and to me, they are the fruit of my brother and sister-in-law's faith and efforts at home all of those years. All four of them are an inspiration to me as a mom, and I hope you enjoy meeting them. So with that description, I was so excited to get to talk with these parents. Then I received the introduction email from Tiffany and found out their names, Reese and Lee. I asked my husband one night, hey, do you know someone on ESPN named Reese? He said, uh, like Reese Davis on college game day? (laughs) Apparently. So Lee and Reese have the sweetest respect for one another. Their parenting style is conventional and strict in some ways, yet super flexible and unconventional in other ways. I found it refreshing to find both qualities in their parenting choices. They laugh, have a lot of fun, and love their family. So... Whether you are a college football fan or you don't know the first thing about it, you are going to love this conversation. So before having children, did y'all talk about how you were going to navigate like your careers and how you were going to juggle it all? Did y'all have any conversations about that? No, not really, not really sit down and seriously talk about it. Um, Reese had always said going in that he wanted, if we could afford it, he would like for me to stay at home. Yeah. And I had a, at that time I had a part-time job and I had always worked. I'd worked since I was 16 years old and I just couldn't imagine not working. So I was like, well, you know, I bet we can make it work with your schedule and my schedule because I was flexible. My my schedule was flexible. So um, had our first child and how old was he? A month, maybe? Yeah. Well, you had 12 weeks of leave. I remember that. Yeah. And I think he was maybe a month old and I was bathing. It was one morning. I was bathing him in the kitchen sink. I was looking out at the backyard and he was cooing and oh, he was adorable. And I thought, I think there's something to this staying home with him. I can't imagine leaving him. So it just happened. I called my boss. Said, I'm not, I'm not going back to work. Yeah. For me, it was what I hoped for, but I felt like it had to be her decision that she had to do that because when she says she had a part-time job, she had already made some sacrifices. And again, this wasn't, you know, I don't know why, maybe it's just because we understand each other, but we, we don't, 
really and never have sat down and had these big, you know, big meetings, you know, about, oh, okay, now we're going to do A, B, and C. We just don't do that. It's not the way we roll. Right. Um, but when, when we moved to Michigan from Georgia, from her hometown, um, she was leaving probably the best job she ever had. She's an amazing salesperson. Uh -huh. She was making more money than our general manager at the station. <laughs> now, meanwhile, the, the being a sports director at said station did not pay well. Okay. And it, was, it was terrible. I mean, the, the facilities that we had I and mean, the people were wonderful. Don't misunderstand. I'm talking about the facilities were tough. So we moved to Michigan about six weeks after, uh, actually I got a job about six weeks before our wedding. And when she moved to Michigan, she could have done the same thing, but because she, you know, was very cognizant of the time that we needed to spend together, her schedule, my schedule didn't match up as much. So she opted to, um, adjust her career, not at my behest, but because that's what she was being generous and sacrificial yeah. is what she wanted to do. And that's how she moved into the part-time uh, area of work prior to us having children. So the idea that you were like Reese, that you were hopeful that she would stay home. Was that because that's what you experienced growing up or what, why do you I, think that was? Well, I did some, uh, there were times when my mom had to work and did. Um, but it was, I, I just think it's so important. You don't get that time back and, to have, it's important to have the influences on your children, I think, and, and there's not a better one than their mother. And, you know, I understand that some people view that as outdated, but that's okay because I think it's, I think it's wonderful. And I don't think it changes anything. I mean, the relationship that my kids have with their mother now is, is remarkable. And I think it's directly attributable to that time. She wasn't, and there's nothing, and, and I don't want this misunderstood. This might not be for everybody. Exactly. I, I get that. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, yeah. but for us and for His what schedule. We, yeah. And, and not only that, just, I mean, just because of what she was and is as a mother and I knew how important it was going to be to her, I, you know, I just thought it was best for the kids. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't want to speak for her, but I think it was best for you, wasn't it? As, as it turns out. Yes. Because Reese was traveling some then and he was working nights and um, we didn't have any family. I mean, we didn't really, we were, we had just started going to a church that we decided that we had, we're, you know, we're in New England. It's a little different here yeah. for church. Yeah. And we, we looked a lot. We visited a lot of churches. And so we didn't have that church support. We didn't have family, friends. And so um, I just felt like, you know what? I want to do this. I yeah. didn't know. I didn't have any guidance. You know, what if daycare, if I had to have who, where? Yeah. You know, I didn't know the community. Yeah, it's a great point that like, you have to look at your circumstances and go, what, right. what, what what life has God put me in and what can, what works for our family, you know? Right. It worked worked for us. I could, you know, see if maybe if it had been the town where I knew people and we were established and I wanted to keep doing that part-time work, that would have been okay. But with his schedule, he had, had a 
still kind of has a weird schedule, but it was crazy back. It was yeah. crazy back then. You just never knew what it was going to be. Yeah, it would it would vary at times depending on the time of year. It would vary week to week because the period of time that she's talking about, I wasn't really established in just doing you know college football and college basketball as I am now. This is you know when Christopher was born. You know, I was still in the in the sports center rotation and you know filling in here and there and then doing a car racing show. You know, just a lot of different moving parts and and my schedule could change all the time uh now you know it's a little we have there's a little and really for the last several years there's been a little more order to it but right. uh, but your kids are little and your schedule is crazy i mean that's it's hard yeah and you know i don't know it was kind of one of the other benefits to lee staying home i think in terms of just in terms of schedule i think we get tied into you know, you get in, well, you have to do things on the weekend while well, I was working on the weekend. Yeah. So a lot of times our weekends were Monday and Tuesday and that was okay, you know, or whatever the days off were. And we just treated them as such. And, you know, once the kids got in school, obviously that yeah. had to be adjusted a little bit, but we, we also weren't hesitant to, especially when they were young, they had to, they had to miss a few days of school for us to, you know, go to Florida because it fit in my schedule. Well, we just did it. You know, I mean, they, they seem to have done fine. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, it, we just kind of approached it that way. Were there times where you kind of had to reevaluate your schedule or workload and be like, we got to, we got to make some changes? I don't think so. I mean, no, because I had to learn um, early in our marriage to go with the flow with his schedule. And so it was, I would become friends with people and their kids were on these strict schedules strict bedtime, strict nap, strict this. And we couldn't do that because we didn't know what day Reese was going to be off. If he was only going to be home that eve, you know, if he came home and he was only going to be there, we'd let him stay up till 10 o'clock. I mean, a two-year-old till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. But you did what you had to do. To We always knew that the family unit was so important and us trying to be together as family. We found the time and we figured it out. We didn't really, you know, Overcomplicated, I don't think, at least from our perspective, by, you know, I mean, certainly we looked at, you know, what to expect when you're expecting and I don't know, but we didn't like, you know, go diving in and saying, okay, we've got to do this because someone said I should, you know, we kind of tried to figure it out on our own. For instance, the, the example I give all the time, and, you know, people would ask when our kids were little, they would say, well, well when do they nap? And we're like, well, they don't. <laughs> and, uh, and the reason is, and the reason is there may be something genetically to this. I'm incapable of napping because <laughs> if I go to sleep and she'll tell you, if I go to sleep, yeah, I'm down for like, you know, two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Well, as it turns out when Christopher was about a year old, he was the same and he would fight you and fight you and fight you and not want to take a nap. But if he went to sleep, he was out. And after we did that a few times, we were like, now, wait a minute. If he doesn't want to go to sleep now, well, then maybe he'll be ready for bed at like 8, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And wow, well, he was. You know, we <laughs> let him stay up and at 8, 30 or 9 or whatever time it might have been. He was ready for bed. He went to bed. It was you know? exhausting, but yeah. it worked. You know? yeah. I mean, are you all naturally pretty flexible people? Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, in, in, in most things. Yeah. And things like this, I would say, yes. There are certain aspects that probably as it pertains to my work that I'm pretty 
of re- not regimented from a schedule standpoint, but things that I feel like that I need to do, you know, to prepare myself in the right way. Yeah. I would say that by and large, I'm pretty flexible. I'm very demanding about what we eat and what time we <laughs> eat dinner. And oh. <laughs> no, I'm not at all. I'm not at all. What is, what is, if you ask me what I would like for dinner, what is my stock answer? Whatever you want, dear. <laughs> Whatever Daisy is, dear. I mean, he always, he just, he'll eat anything. I could put, I could put, I always use this example. We've never had this before, but <laughs> I could put beanie weenie in front of him uh-uh. and he would go, oh, thank you so much for going to so much trouble. Thank you for dinner. You know, he just. Aww. I'm not, I mean, <laughs> I'm not really that nice a guy. I can be pretty ornery. I think she'll probably <laughs> tell you from time to time. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just, uh, you know, just the way I grew up, she laughs at some of the things that we ate. But I told her, I said, we have any choice so we could afford. Yeah. You know, sometimes we had to boil some uh, little bitty macaronis and pour tomato juice on it. And that was kind of it. You know, yeah. my mom loved that. And it's actually quite good if you haven't tried it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. There might be times, but, and, and another part of it is, is that I think it would be fair to say, I don't want to divulge too much information, but I would say that, her, her constitution in terms of what she feels like eating might be more refined and uh-huh. more, uh, more difficult than mine. Me, I'm, I'm from about here to my stomach. I'm cast iron. You put anything <laughs> in there. It really doesn't matter. You know, so I don't well, get Well, you grew sick. up in Alabama, right? So, you yeah. know, all that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get sick. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. Not a fried. Yes, I'm good. You know, so whatever we decide to eat, we're good. I think that's. I hope that's maybe helped a little bit, but uh, I'm not trying to be, you know, some nice guy and say, oh, whatever you want, dear. I'm just like, yeah, okay, well, I mean, I love food, but, you know, whatever she puts out there or whatever we put out there, whatever DoorDash brings, we're good. You know, it's, it, it'll be good. So just feed me. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned trips to Florida, making like those vacations when it worked, took your kids out of school and things like that. What were ways that y'all connected with your kids and like prioritized that? Practically speaking, like vacations or game nights or like, what, how did y'all be, sh- be sure to have that family time? Well, every night at bedtime when they were little, they had a children's Bible and Christopher would read because, or we would read. And then when he got old enough to read, he would read. And then she would look at the pictures and read, you know, and then we'd have our prayer. And that was one thing that we always did mm-hmm. without it, without fail. Mm-hmm. At our house, every night was game night with the kids. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, or movie we, night, movie night or, or something, you know, because of, I guess what he does, he always likes to use the team analogy. Uh huh. And we just, when they were little, it was like they were accessories, especially her. Cause she was my sweet petite. She was tiny and she went everywhere and did everything with me and Christopher too. And we just always treated it like that at home. We were either, you know, I would sit down and watch the silly programs over and over and over, or we would read books or play cards or he would make voices and play dolls and, you know, um, ball in the backyard. We just always did stuff. We just connected with them because we just did stuff with them all the time. Yeah. Probably because we're great big kids. At heart. <laughs> so we're like, hey, this is cool. We can play and everybody thinks we're being as cool parents. We get to play with boys. Oh boy. You know? It's funny because my daughter always says, 
she'll refer to one of her friends, especially when she was in high school, and she would say, oh, they say you're the cool parents. And little did they know, and, and when Elizabeth and I, our daughter, we would laugh about this. Um, I was the most strict of all the parents. <laughs> you know, I'm the, I'm the prude. I'm the, the Christian mom who won't let her watch that movie until she's 18. And no, you can't watch that program. No, you can't do that. No, you can't wear that. And But no, I'm the cool one. Why, why was that? Like, would the kids all come to y'all's house? Like, what? what? Well, when they were little, all the, the boys tended to. Yeah. With all the kids, so mostly boys in the neighborhood, they congregated in our backyard. We okay. had a flat, bigger backyard. And then in high school, when she was in high school, um, I hosted the youth group over here. Um, every it was every other week they meet at church on Wednesday nights. But every other week they would meet at home for their grade. Oh, I and love that. So her grade met here, and um, it was one of the motivating factors to us moving from mm -hmm. where we lived um, because we were 25 minutes away and we had tried to entertain that crowd on a couple of times and they were all like, Oh, wow, that's kind of far away. And so um, we moved closer to the church. Now we're five minutes from the church. And so they all came. And you wanted them there. You yeah. were like, if you feed them, they will come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they're teenagers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. What parenting decisions felt like, Huge deals are like cause all of this angst. And in hindsight, you're like, that was fine. Like that worked out okay. And I, I just asked that question because I am a young mom and there are things in my life today that I'm like, oh, this is, this is, you know, life or death over here. Like, you know, and I'm like, I think in 10, 15 years, I'm going to be like, that wasn't such a big deal. Yeah. You mean like letting them watch SpongeBob? Uh-huh. That's exact. Like, TV is a thing for me right now. Anytime the TV is on, it just, it drives me crazy. And I'm like, is that a big deal? I think we both grew up as TV kids and we would always sort of uh, chuckle when our friends and our neighbors would say, you know, that they don't let their kids watch TV and, and basically talk about how evil TV was, sort of almost oblivious to the fact that I put food on the table because of television. <laughs> I realized the differences and, and so forth. Uh, Lee mentioned SpongeBob and it's one of the, I don't know why I find this so amusing, but um, we didn't, when they were little, we were like, no SpongeBob. Uh -huh. Why? I don't know. The reason, was, well, I know the reason is because I thought SpongeBob looked weird, which he does. <laughs> and so I sort of assumed it was like, you know, this, um, edgy, irreverent, you know, mm -hmm. adult swim kind of thing, yeah. you know, Simpsons, Simpsons which, which Simpsons are funny. I like the Simpsons, but I, I don't know the Simpsons as well. It's weird. I don't, I'm going to digress for just a moment, but I've never really been a regular watcher of the Simpsons, but every time I've ever like just surf by and stopped and watched, I laugh. But anyway, <laughs> uh, different, different discussion for a different day. As it pertains to SpongeBob, we had decided that, you know, SpongeBob was probably, you know, going to teach kids to be mean or something. We didn't know. And one of my buddies from college, we were back home visiting. I'll never forget when it was. It was, uh, I made this, we made some comment in passing about it. And he was one of my roommates and a guy I went to high school with. Um, and he said to me, he said, you know, Davis, he said, oh, SpongeBob's pretty good. And in the end, he usually tries to do the right thing. Pretty <laughs> so we thought, okay, well, we'll have a look at it. And the kids, the, 
the references the kids can make now and their knowledge of that silly show and and us too i mean we don't know it the way they do but i mean the kids will often communicate with each other in spongebob no. meetings, so they'll hear something will happen and uh one of them will say remember when patrick did this and you know i think something that might be an example to circle back to what you're talking about at the time we felt like well, we are protecting our kids from the evils of SpongeBob. Yeah. And as it turns out, now this is a method of communication between our two 20-something <laughs> children. It's a you know? connecting it's point. A, yes, yes. And they still make fun of me because we were going, they were getting ready to go to the bus one morning. I was finishing up breakfast and we were standing there. And it was one where SpongeBob has been warned, as SpongeBob and Patrick, they have been warned not to play with the hooks that were coming down because the hooks, it was fishing season, right? Oh, and yeah. they were using them like an amusement park ride, hopping on the riding up and then letting go and floating down. And, ah, fun. and Mr. Krabs, who's my favorite character, got hooked in the rear end and, uh, and exclaimed in my sleepy state in the morning, sweet mother of pearl fire on the poop deck. <laughs> and... And I started laughing and couldn't stop. Tears streaming down my face. Couldn't stand up. And the kids, they still make fun of me about no. that. They're like, Dad lost it when Mr. Krabs said that. You know, so it was, this you know, is, it, this it is like great. Yeah, it sort of like seemed like a big deal then deciding whether they were going to watch SpongeBob. Yeah. And it turns out it didn't mean anything. Yeah. So. But I, a lot of those shows you have to kind of, you know, watch first sure. before yeah. you let them. But, um, but they, they weren't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal to let them watch TV. Our daughter, um, but then later she parlayed it into when she decided that, you know, she wanted to maybe act. Uh, if she's watching too much TV and I'll tell her, go outside, go do something. She would say, I'm doing research. Oh, very <laughs> smart. Yeah, he's a drama major and got early practice at it. Now, so. um, okay, speaking about that. So your son is a baseball player. Right. right. And your mm -hmm. daughter is in acting at NYU. Right. Mm -hmm. So those seem like very different, you know, very different categories. Um, maybe they're not, but I, in my mind, they're very different. So how did y'all like help them find the things they were interested in and cultivate those things? Well, with him, it just kind of came naturally. He was all about ball. It didn't matter what kind of ball he wanted to play ball. Well, he played soccer, but yeah. he, you know, the big three, the baseball, the football, the basketball, and he was always playing. He loved it. I don't know if with her, if it was because she was around so much ball and she played ball in the backyard with the boys that she decided we, it was a little trial and error with her. We um, tried soccer with her and I ended up, pulling her because I felt like it was a waste of my time when during the game, she was out picking dandelions, you know, <laughs> braiding her, yeah. teammates, you know, mm -hmm. she could, she didn't like it. Wasn't her deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we tried dance and um, she liked it. So we stuck with that. Um, and we took her to a place that wasn't real intense. It was just more of a gathering and they learned some of the basics and they had to recite, you know, they danced every week and she got to see her friends and then when we realized she really did like it, um, we moved her to a place that was a little more intense and focused on really learning. She 
she liked music, so we tried the piano because it, here they teach them an instrument in fourth grade. No, it's third grade. They teach them the recorder. recorder. And then fourth grade, they, they have an instrument. So she picked up the saxophone like her brother. She really enjoyed that. But then she went on to piano and she did both for a while. And um, then the voice, we did um, voice lessons. Our um, music director at our church, she taught private lessons. So that worked out great. And she also had a drama group that um, they did a children's, a big children's production every um, spring at church. So she got involved in that. And then that's what turned her on with the acting. And so she wanted to take it further into high school and now college. Yeah, it was a little trial and error. Yeah. When she said, okay, I want to do, I want to study acting. Were y'all like, great. Yeah, we were. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, you know, everybody knows the math. I mean, you don't have to, you know, uh, like I've had so many people, you know, say, well, only this small percentage of players, you know, play Division One college baseball. Only uh, even a smaller percentage go on and play professionally, smaller percentage than that play in the big leagues. You know, only a small percentage of people who like to act actually, you know, uh, are financially successful or even successful to the point that they can provide for themselves a small percentage. Well. Everyone knows this, you know, I mean, this is, so I can't promise them that they're going to achieve everything that they want in their uh, desired fields, but I can promise them one thing. If they don't go do it, they won't get to, there's no shot. There's no shot. If you say, well, it's only 1%. What are the chances of me being the 1% or the 0.2%? I, I think that's a really bad way to go through life. And if they want to do it, go for it. I mean, I've told them both that, you know, when you walk away from it, if you have to walk away from it, you will at some point, one way or the other, um, walk away knowing that you did everything you could, you know, and if you can do that, you can probably live with yourself, you know, but, you know, I don't think it's any good to get to, I'm 55, getting to be 50, if Elizabeth, you know, gets to 55 and says, wow, I wonder what would have happened if I'd just gone to one more audition, you know, or if I'd, you know, if I'd put a little more time into that character, I wonder what would have happened. That, that's far worse than, uh, than coming up short and then it not working out at the level that you hoped it would. That's far worse. So I didn't have any problem at all with it, did you? No, I knew it would be difficult. I knew it would be very um feel defeating at times, but it can be rewarding too. She's having a great time right now. Um, so, you mm -hmm. know, she still loves it. I think she has more passion for it now. And there's so many options. We've talked about this. We've talked about if she doesn't, you know, let's say make it the traditional way, she can always take this experience and, um, you know, she could do commercials. She can, work at a school she can work at a church she can do lots of things in this field yeah but yeah. she you know the goal is for her to act and and um we're behind her 100 mm -hmm. percent. well and at the end of the day what would you define success as for your kids to me it's not for me to decide that i mean they get to decide right 
Um, now, within the spiritual parameters, I think you're referencing, obviously, that's the most important thing. But even just from the standpoint of evaluating the result of what they put their time and effort into, that's kind of for them to decide. They get to decide how they feel about that and how how we feel about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to say it's irrelevant, but it's not as important as how how they feel about what they've accomplished and what what effort they put into trying to accomplish that. Yeah. At the very beginning, you said Lee has such a great relationship with her kids, like as adults. What does it look like to have a relation? Like it helps me have perspective. I asked this question of a friend of mine that's older who has older kids. I asked her this question when, when her kids were the same age that mine are now. Um, it's, it's an amazing feeling to have this person that calls you, wants advice, um, bends over backwards to make that phone call or to come see you. Like a couple years ago on Mother's Day, it was 2019, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christopher was playing down at Yale and weekend. And we were so excited. Christopher was going to be here. It was Mother's Day weekend. So, you know, it's an hour away. We're going to see him. And Elizabeth, you know, we thought, well, maybe she could come up. And then she said, no, she had something with school and she couldn't. And so we were down there, though, and visiting with Christopher the night before. And we found out the next day was going to be just torrential rains and they were, you know, probably not going to have a game. And they ended up getting up that morning and leaving. And I was so sad. And I thought, Oh no, it's the first mother. I'm not around either of my kids. It's the first mother's day. And Elizabeth surprised me Reese down there anyway. And she took the train up and she wanted to be there for me. And, they do that, those kinds of things. And I think it's just because we're so close and we FaceTime, we have, you asked about family game night. We've played Yahtzee on FaceTime. Uh-uh. <laughs> Yahtzee's at school and, you know, we'll play for hours at the kitchen table with mm-hmm. them at school. And it's just a, when your grown son puts his arms around you and tells you, how much he loves you. It's just, and he does that all the time. And she does too. Just out of nowhere, I'll be in the kitchen. I'll turn around and she throws her arms around me. Tells me how much she loves me. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah. It really is. Um, okay. When you think about your parenting journey, what are the things that you're really thankful for? I'm thankful for prayer. <laughs> that helped me. Um, but I'm thankful for a husband who, even though he had demanding job while the kids were coming up, he would make that extra effort to spend time with them and be with all of us. And it was, he put us first. And I don't see that with some of my friends, you know, I don't see that, but he always did. And I'm grateful for that. Well, feeling feelings mutual. She certainly did, but you know, we've talked about this a little bit too, is that, well, I mean, we'd like to think we've done a good job and that we've been good parents. We certainly hope that's the case, but we we got kind of lucky too. I, <laughs> I mean, look, everybody loves their kids and thinks their kids are the, the greatest things ever. And we, we accept that and understand. Um, <laughs> but ours were, ours were ridiculously easy. 
And uh, mm -hmm. it's, you know, I'm not sure that we can take all of the credit for that. You know, that could be some divine intervention. <laughs> you know, maybe the Lord looked down and said, boy, you two can't handle any, any rough ones. We're going to give you a couple easy ones here, you know, because I wondered that, that. that's probably about all you guys could handle, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, we, we kind of look at it that way. Neither one of them, I'm not saying they're perfect. No. They've made us, they've made us angry and they, they, they've made us sad and they've done things that, you know, and I'm sure we have to them that have disappointed them or falling short from time to time. But I can honestly say, I, I don't think either of them have given us one minute of what would be defined in our society now as appreciable trouble. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, we, we knock, knock on wood here. You know, we haven't had any calls from the cops. We haven't had, you know, <laughs> haven't had any problems with, you know, any, any types of substance or anything of that nature. You know, we just have, it hasn't been trouble like that. We, they, even when they were small, they, you know, they acted right in public. Uh, we, we took them to restaurants and they behaved. We took them to, you know, airplane on airplanes. airplanes and, and ball games and well, it's easy to behave in a ball game, I guess, but you know, um, people would come up to us concerts. Ask you know, us we took them. Tell us your you kids know? are so good. I've had teachers call me and say, how did you do this? I've got a toddler. How did you do this? You know, it just, and I'm like, feel guilty. Because <laughs> they we were don't good. really know. <laughs> They're good kids. Yes. Uh, you know? It's, uh, but, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate and we understand that. I, hopefully we had a hand in it. You know, our, our parents probably had a hand in it too. But um, some of it's just been their disposition and their inclinations that I think have, have made it you know, not, not that difficult. Um, you know, we had expectations and when we were talking about things that we might talk with you about, uh, I thought Lee brought up a great point. She said we had expectations and we followed through. There wasn't anything that we said would be a consequence of a poor decision that didn't happen. Right. Now there might've been mercy extended from time to time, you know, if someone ran afoul of the rules or, or made an error in judgment and, you know, perhaps the sentence was relaxed on good behavior or whatever <laughs> it might, you know, but um, there were consequences and, but not in a, I don't think it was really in a, in this big um, disciplinary authoritarian way. They respected the, the hierarchy, I guess, or the chain of command or, or however you want to phrase it, they respected that's how it was. But I think they, even if they didn't, wouldn't be able to verbalize it at a very young age, I think now that they would tell you that no matter what happened, that we had their best interest at heart. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, it's sort of like the, uh, the proverb that ironically, my son said that he was talking about with one of his teammates, one of his teammates said, uh, was talking about that he was a little surprised in Proverbs about, you know, you know, if you, if you use the rod, you will not kill the child. You'll, you'll save him from death. And they were talking about that and, you know, not to turn this into corporal punishment or anything, but. <laughs> Wait, your the, son was talking about this with a player or with a friend? Well, one of, okay. one of hey, his man. teammates brought it up to him. <laughs> and uh, so they were, they were talking about it recently. And so not necessarily talking about that per se, 
And I realize people have very strong emotions about those types of things, but there, there was discipline, but it wasn't heavy handed. It was more like expectation and this is right. And I think in our judgment, kids want guardrails. They don't realize they need them, but there's like an inherent thing that they want them. And it's our responsibility to provide them yeah. in as godly a manner as we can. And we're going to make some mistakes on the guardrails from time to time, but they have to be there. Yeah. And if, if they aren't, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not mature enough to make, to make the right decisions and do things that are good for them in the long term. For sure. And I think that they, um, a lot of times when they act out, they're just looking for attention. And we were always around. I mean, we always gave them attention. Yeah. And <laughs> Maybe too much. Because <laughs> uh, we always tried to be together. I mean, we just did. And um, we knew it was fleeting and mm. we didn't want to miss a second of it. But we were together when we could be. And, um, and then they played well together. So it wasn't like she was going off by herself, getting into something. And he, you know, they played well together. Yeah. We did have to threaten with taking things away. And um, I never believed in the timeout thing because that just never really worked. I've got friends whose kids do that and they, they love to read. So they send them to the room for three hours to read and the kids love it, you know. <laughs> um, but my biggest work for me was to take the doll away and put her up where we could see her uh-huh. every day watching us play without her, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then when they got older, you had to do things like take the phone away and um, or threaten to not see the friends and that kind of thing. But you always had we always had to follow up with what we said we were going to. Who was who the disciplinarian between the two of you? Both were. It was even. I was. Yeah, <laughs> probably was. He's was. a little softer than yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I mean, starting at an early age, I required, I guess it's my Southern upbringing. Um, and it was the way I was raised that they say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, thank you. Please. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just real strict with stuff like that. He didn't grow up having to say that. I, I did. My my parents were, I mean, her Lee's parents were young too, but my parents were young and they, you know, they're 14 years difference between Tiffany and me. And my parents wanted me to do it to others, but not to them. Huh. You know, they did, I don't, they, uh, they just didn't want to, especially my mom. I, I think my dad would have been okay with it, but my mom especially didn't want that. And so, and so I didn't. And so that took a little bit of adjustment to be able to reinforce what something that was important to her and ultimately was the right thing for our kids. Um, so, you know, we had to, we had to reinforce that. I, I think she, she probably was a disciplinary and she's right that I, I was probably a little soft. No, but you know what? I was home. Yeah, exactly. But I was- so of course it would follow me because I was with them. Well, she yeah. could also call in the big guns. There was, Every now and then, uh, wait, wait well, our, I'm gonna have to talk to your dad about <laughs> this because this is very, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very disappointed in this behavior, and I'm yeah. gonna have to talk to your father about this. Well, what's gonna happen? Well, we're gonna have to talk about it, and we'll let you know, you know. So, the lingering, talk. like, oh, I gotta wait, yeah. And you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big yeller, uh, and I am. <laughs> well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that she's not, but um, I do remember one time, I don't remember what Elizabeth did, but it was something, and I was talking firmly to her uh-huh. I wasn't yelling. 
Um, and she's like, why are you yelling? Or she didn't say, why are you yelling at me? That's what she says now as a joke. That's her, that's her joke response now. But at the time she was like, you're yelling at me. And I'll never forget Christopher, who was not involved in this situation at all. He goes, <laughs> he said to her, he's not yelling at you. Trust me, you do not want him yelling at you. <laughs> so it was few, maybe it was because it was uh, used judiciously that, uh, that it, carried more weight. But yeah, she was, and I'm thankful for that because I, I have a tendency probably to say, well, you know, it, it'll be okay. We don't have to do that. And she was, she was really, no, really do. good. And, and, um, no, we do have to, do we that. do have to do it. And <laughs> yeah. the thing is, is that we, we were always aligned on that, whatever, you know, whatever the decision was, we backed each other up on it. And I think the kids knew that from the beginning, but the, we also had a lead reference earlier that we probably because of my obsession with sports, we looked at it like team stuff. And, I'm, and I don't mean saying things that would be hurtful or mean about anyone, but there are certain things that you say at your dinner table to your family that doesn't need to go anywhere else. We may be know? talking about his job. Could or, be talking about my job. Or, or, yeah. Or, yeah. We included them in all of that. And we would preface it by saying, from the kids when they're really young, this stays on our ball club. Oh, I and love that. Our ball club was the four of us. It didn't include, you know, we love them dearly. It didn't include grandparents. It didn't include best friends. The ball club was the four of us, and that was it. You know, so we said this stays on our ball club. That's where it stayed, and we still do that to some degree. Now, when they get married, we'll have expand to expand the ball. Club we'll have less okay. the ball club, but we but right now. We have a four-person ball club. You're open so. to adding an additional player or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe some smaller players at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do they have thriving relationships with Jesus? Yeah. They're different in the way they go about it, I think. Hers, she is much more involved with with the congregation in, in New York, Um Christopher was involved with uh, with a campus thing at Princeton yeah. and pandemic at Duke right now. That hasn't really, you know, been been a thing. I think his has been more, you know, online and things like that. A little bit different than hers than hers would be. Not not in terms of the the spiritual differences, but I mean the way that you know, from a pragmatic standpoint, and you know, like where they're able to attend and different things like that and connections to um, the traditional church. Hers is a little more normal than, you know, than his has been able to be simply because, um, because he, he moved yeah, <laughs> in the middle of in a, yeah. a time when, when you could really do these things. Yeah. So. And she had to seek a church. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, when it's not the traditional campus where she could have gone and looked, for the campus ministry that was, you know, big and she just had to go find a church. Mm-hmm. And she goes to, they do uh, what they call dinner clubs on um, or dinner groups on Wednesday nights. And they take different like apartments people will host, yeah. you know, and she would find those and she would go to that and she would tell me, she'd come home and say, mom, I'm a little disappointed. Everybody's older. You know, mm-hmm. she was last year or year before last, you know, 18 years old and everybody's already got their careers. They're out of college, but some of the young women mentored her and 
wanted to see her and they were excited to see her. And um, so she just, she makes friends wherever anyway. Though, she does. So, <laughs> um, so she just fit right in. And, and she's so excited now because they're actually having church in person again. Yeah. Just a couple weeks now, but she's going. That's awesome. Okay. When y'all are thinking about this, is there any additional wisdom or things that you want to cover? I think it's important to have as a mom to have um, a support group. Yeah. I didn't need that when I, when they were little, some of my friends did, but I found it more when they got school age and we were navigating the school system where not everybody had the beliefs that we had at home and they would hear things at school. They would learn things at school. They were teaching things at school. Oh. Uh, through high school and there um there was a group here it's a it's a national group um they call it moms in touch and um i still reach out to some of those women now you know we pray for our children still but because it helped us also because there were women whose kids were a little bit older so like when the middle school time came and we knew that they were going to be uh teaching sex ed what are they teaching uh, how do we navigate that? Are we approving with the way they're teaching it? Because they're a lot more liberal about just, you know, kids at that age are having sex. So yeah. let's just teach them how to have, you know, have sex safely. And there was nothing about the way that we teach it in the school. So um, here you can actually go to um, the counselors at school and get the video or get the book. And I, I wouldn't have known that if I had not been in, you know, the group and just to have that support group and to be able to have older parents who were dealing or dealt with those situations and learn how to do it. Yeah. But you just, we just kind of went with the flow. When things came at us, we (laughs) took a deep breath and. Yeah. I mean, we've done this, not just with parenting, but housing decisions, career decisions, uh, you know, uh, educational decisions for them. We've tried as best we can, not to be myopic and and refuse to look at the future, but you have to make a decision based on what you know now. Yeah, that's all you know. That's all you know. You can say, well, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, in two years, would this be the right? We don't know, you know, and at some point you have to move. So we, we, we've tried to adopt that philosophy. Make a decision based on what you know. Right now, you know, what learn all you, you know, learn what you can realize you there's no foolproof decision. Make it. And then and then if you need to make a different one later on, then you can. But do the best you can in the moment. And I think we I think we kind of approached um, the parenting thing there. You know, there are some things we do differently for sure. But, you know, basically if we had done them differently, then that probably would have created a different circumstance. It would have created a, an additional regret when we look back, you know, 15 years later or whatever. So uh, regret might be too strong a word, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We should have done that instead of this. You know, you just have to make the best decision you can in the moment. I can't get this concept of my family being like a team out of my head. Because I think often it can feel like parents are against their children or siblings are against each other or I guess spouses can be against each other. But if you view your family as being on the same team, then you are never opponents. 
Sure, there's disagreements. There's differing opinions on a team. You'll definitely face opposition and challenges. But as a family, you are all working together to win. You're on the same team. No one is just a spectator up in the stands. Every member of the family is an essential player on your team. And if we keep running with this idea of team, a good team cultivates encouraging each of the players. A good team works together and can see when a player is having an off day and steps up to help. Teams spend time together. They do hard things together, like training, practicing, and losing big games. They also have fun together, like they eat meals together, they have cheers or inside jokes, and they celebrate big wins together. Good teams are flexible and adaptable. They're able to change according to the challenges in the moment. The night of this conversation, I was watching the Baylor men's basketball game, and they were playing the game that would get them in the Final Four. Now, I don't know much about basketball, but what I did notice is those players had to make decisions and make them fast. And if you stood there too long, you know, you totally missed the shot. And I see that idea in families as well. Don't sit around and miss it. Get out there, make decisions, go for it. And from my limited perspective from this conversation, and Reese's sister's more comprehensive perspective, Reese, Lee, Christopher, and Elizabeth do this extraordinarily well. They make a great team. And it's an example that will be an inspiration to me for a very long time. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.